The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. Well, welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. This is an ethereal podcast, and I'm delighted to say we're now also syndicated on other radio networks, including Body Mind Spirit Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network, Transformation Talk Radio, home of the Dr. Pat Show, and Oneness Talk Radio. And today we're going to be joined by Noemi Bates and Ayub Malik. Noemi Bates, I'm very pleased to say, will be sharing her moment of truth. And Ayub Malik will be leading us in a spiritual practice. So as regular listeners, of course, to our show, they know by now that we are focused on the nine freedoms, which we believe to be the greatest set of spiritual teachings ever delivered to our earth, uh, delivered in 1961. So we're in the uh, 60th anniversary of that delivery uh, through Dr. George King. They are available on www.etherius.org, and there's both a book, lectures by Dr. King, and the actual transmissions themselves available if you want to take this further. And we have the honor on this show, and I believe it to be a unique honor, every time of playing an extract of these transmissions as they were delivered, just a short extract of maybe one or two minutes. And we'll hear a couple of those today, as we always do, and you'll hear uh, Mars Sector 6. It's either going to be from the transmission or it will be from a lecture delivered by Dr. King himself about the transmissions he channeled, he received. And of course, the th- reason why the nine freedoms are so important, apart from their outstanding content, is that they are absolutely in tune with today and with tomorrow. They're telling us where we are going now, what they're telling us what is actually applying now. And so this week, we are doing the physical and mental roadmap to enlightenment. We're focusing on the fourth freedom. And please bear in mind that the freedoms are not necessarily delivered in strict order of importance, but in the order which allowed a certain power to be radiated at a specific time. That was told to us by the Ascended Master, Saint Gu Ling, Keeper of the Seal, for the spiritual hierarchy of earth. And he revealed that prior to the first freedom being delivered. And I I think that particularly applies that guideline to the first four freedoms. And you might know what they are by now. If you don't, those first four are bravery, love, service, and enlightenment. And yet, in the first freedom, we're told that one way to break the bondage of fear is to enlighten oneself. And in the second freedom, we're told that love becomes a living, vibrant, all-pervasive thing when we become enlightened. And in the third freedom, we're told that if we serve, we will become enlightened. So you can see they all feed into each other, those first four freedoms especially. And so today, we're going to be focusing on the fourth freedom, 
and the journey to enlightenment starting today with the physical and mental roadmap. But before we do that, I'm going to come to our producer who works so very hard to put this show together and always has some interesting comments and questions to make. And that is uh, my good friend, Darren Ball. Welcome, Darren. Hi, Richard. Thanks very much for the introduction. Uh, it's great to be on again. And uh, I'd like to say hi to all of our listeners and thank them for our comments, their questions and experience they've been um, sharing with us um, about how their life has been changed by these teachings. So do keep them coming into uh, Spiritual Freedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. Uh, you can also check out Richard's website, by the way, that's richardlawrence.co.uk for other podcasts and radio interviews that he has done on stations around the world. Um, now, I thought I'd start um, and say of late, Richard, is also, uh, who is also Talk Radio's resident UFO expert, has done many interviews about UFOs, extraterrestrials, and their spiritual message to us. And for anyone who has been following this in the news, you will know that after months of sensational revelations from official sources concerning UFOs, there was back in June a release from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, making it clear that the Pentagon knows that UFOs are real and physical. And that was a landmark moment. So if you want to explore that topic further, Richard presented an online event at the end of July on behalf of the Ethereum Society Worldwide in response to this landmark release, which you can find featured on our homepage at ethereus.org and on Richard's website. And that was entitled, UFOs are real, friendly, and alien governments know it. So in light of that, uh, Rich, I thought I'd start today with a story we received from a listener about uh, a series of sightings, including one they had quite recently, and uh, quite a moving one, in fact. So it'll take me a couple minutes to read, but I think it's... Uh, yeah, think it's please really, do. Please do. Really worth it. Yeah. So they write as follows. When I was a youngster in the northeast of England, I witnessed a UFO sighting. I was age 13, and my father was with me, and he witnessed them also. There were three orbs over the hill behind our home hovering. They got our attention through flashing past our curtains in the living room, which were drawn closed. It was truly incredible to witness as a young child. And I was always looking at the stars as a child, and to this day I still do all the time watch the skies, which Jesus asked us to do in the Bible. My father would not believe what he had just seen, and he said they were helicopters or kids with torches. But there was no sound from the orbs, and I've never seen floating torches, I said to my father. And he said to me, just to forget about the whole thing. My mother, my brothers and sisters were away for that weekend, and on their return, no one believed me when I told them, except my mother. It was about a week later when my mother and father were at the local club, and my mother's best friend at the time said she had witnessed seeing three UFOs over the farmer's fields where those hills were located. And she could not believe at that moment what she was hearing. The next day, the morning paper arrived. And when my mother opened it, it was reported that there were three UFOs witnessed flying out to the North Sea. And it had become big news in our area. So just recently, for the first time since that incredible night, I witnessed something life-changing and amazing, but really quite scary at the same time, because I could not believe what I was seeing with my eyes. I had to sit down afterwards because I was in tears. I was sitting quietly in my chair in my garden in Suffolk on May 15, 2021, on the East Coast. And as I stood up to look towards the northerly direction, I could see about 10 red lights coming towards me in a perfect diagonal line, moving slowly towards me. I just stood there in disbelief. It was too late to get to my wife to witness this. and I did not have my phone, but this was a huge craft. It blocked out all the stars above me. And like my earlier years sighting, there was no noise. Total silence. At that moment, I broke down and I cried. It felt so spiritual beyond anything I've ever experienced. 
and I'm a very spiritual person. The craft slowly continued and disappeared into the distance. It did not flash like an airplane or helicopter either, and the bottom red light closest to Earth was about 3,000 feet high from where I was standing. Top to bottom in total, the lights were about half a mile long, and the UFO then just drifted outwards towards the east and the North Sea. It all happened at cloud level. I know it was not from our world. It was not planets or meteors or shooting stars. Something is happening in our world which is powerful and beyond our understanding. And I just thought that I would share with you this extraordinary experience. Wow. Darren, yeah, and of course I remind uh, listeners that I don't hear these until Darren reads them out. So it's completely spontane- spontaneous and it's the first time I've heard that. It's absolutely beautiful. I want to thank that listener so much for sending that in to us. And it's so topical. There's so many interesting points in there, Darren, that are very mm. relevant, as you were saying earlier, to the Pentagon report uh, that came out on June the 25th. And also, of course, the whole sea change in attitudes. I mean, one thing that stood out there to me, which is so familiar, is when he said his father told him, forget about the whole thing. And that yeah. was the attitude at one time, and I'm sure not just in this country. Uh, now, um, for the first time, actually, military personnel are instructed in America that they have to reveal their sightings within two weeks of having them. Um, in the past, they were ridiculed for even mentioning them. So there's the, been this big change of attitude. Um, the stigma has gone. People can talk about it. But, boy, that was an interesting sighting. and. I'm sure, by the way, there's going to be other listeners who've had sightings. Please feel free to send them out, send them in to us. Um, they always get replied to by Darren. They are read out on the show, and we love getting not just your UFO experiences, but your spiritual experiences generally, as well as your questions. Another thing I noticed there, Darren, was the fact there was no noise. Yeah, interesting. That, you know, that is very common. It's what is called in this report, it's a very bureaucratic, rather dull-sounding phrase, signature management. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's one of the identifying factors between an alien craft, and although the government haven't admitted they're alien, they obviously are, and they know it. I mean, do look at my video. I've, there's lots of facts in there. In fact, I saw a clip yesterday, Darren, um, of Dr. King doing an interview in 1958, and, oh, and that's wow. a time, you know, if we think we know ridicule, I got ridiculed in the 80s. But 1958, he came right out. It must have been a TV interview. And he said then they definitely inhabited planets. And he had been in touch with intelligences from Mars and Venus. And although he was a shy person, he was um, so strong. I mean, you know that, Darren. But uh, mm-hmm. for listeners who don't know, he, I mean, talk, talk about bravery. Talk about the first freedom. He personified it. And he was most definite. So that's another thing, the lack of noise. You can also get sometimes lack of vision. You can even get invisibility. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can get their ability to go through the sound barrier without emitting a sound uh, boom. Um, So, you know, they have these capabilities. But I think the greatest part of the whole letter there was the fact that it was the greatest spiritual experience that listener has ever had. Exactly. Exactly. That's where people have to go now, Darren, I think, with UFOs, to the spiritual. What, what's, what do you say? 
Yeah, I, I felt that that was, that was the most moving part of the whole story as well, um, because it's not just that, that they're advanced technologically, but that they are more evolved than us in terms of consciousness too. And that's the conversation, because it tells us what life is about. It's revealing yeah. to us more about our destiny in the future. And I think um, that, that was incredibly inspiring for me too, just to, to, to feel really his, own, his own reaction to that, you know, as we read that out. Yeah. Indeed. And if you look through the spiritual cultures of, the, of old, it's in Buddhism, it's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament of the Bible, it's definitely in Hinduism, and it's in other cultures too. It's not ruled out, I'm told, in the Quran either. So it's a, it's a cross-the-board uh, concept, and it's a spiritual concept. And, uh, of course, it's not surprising when you consider the intelligences in other worlds and the spirit, what we're talking about today, the spiritual exactly. freedom show. And <laughs> exactly. this is based on an intelligence, a very great one, I must say, from Mars. So thank you for that. And I think I, we should now move into our topic, the fourth freedom, the physical and mental roadmap to enlightenment. We're going to start with the physical roadmap. And I think we should start, Darren, by playing our first extract taken from the fourth freedom and delivered by Mars Sector 6 through Dr. George King. Enlightenment is a, a result of uh, the uh, controlled application of specific energies and uh, procedures uh, towards a predetermined end. A physical a man a can predetermine the end of his a physical energy and a cause this to be used in its best sense according uh, to the law. Thank you very much. And uh, as I say, we are very honoured to be playing extracts like that. We have the permission of the international directors of the Ethereum Society, and we're very, very grateful for that permission. And one of the things, I mean, there are several things I love, and I'm sure others do too, about Mars Sector 6 as a a teacher would be to underplay it, a, a stator of law, really, you could say, is the brevity, uh, the short phrases in which he says everything you need to know. Uh, and he says it in simply understandable words. Um, they, I won't say they are simple because they are very profound, but in another way, there's a great simplicity about them. And he tells us, it's exactly what we can do, and it's so liberating. Now, this particular freedom is a, they all are, but this is a historic moment uh, in teaching on this earth because we've been given a roadmap to enlightenment before, um, more than once, uh, several times. Just to give one notable example, which I've mentioned before on the Spiritual Freedom Show, the aphorisms or sutras of Patanjali which really epitomized Raja Yoga, the yoga of uh, psychic and mental control. 
the path that was taught. And it's a similar path, or it's the same principle uh, as other great teachings of, of old, particularly in the yogas and particularly in the Vedas. Um, Dr. King told me on one occasion, and I'll tell you where we were at the time, we were actually in the vicinity of Lake Powell. Uh, we were in his motorhome in Arizona. And he told me in a very simple way that Patanjali, I know some people pronounce it Patanjali, so I'm not sure, but let's just say Patanjali, came to earth to deliver these aphorisms. And the feeling that I had when he said it was that these aphorisms already existed. They'd not just been given to the people on earth in that way before, but they existed, as it were, in the mind belt of the cosmos, virtually. And he came to bring them to earth. And they formed the bedrock of, of, as I say, Raja Yoga. And they have been followed. Many of the other yogis who, who teach, I would say all the major yogis who teach that particular science, Sivananda, Vivekananda, others too, draw on those aphorisms. But, and this is the key point, uh, it's now going to be put into activation the aphorisms of Patanjali, but in a very, very different way because the priorities have changed. And most notably of all, service comes first. And of course, service uh, is the third freedom, the one that was delivered just before this one. Our inner development now flows from our service. Uh, today, we should work as hard as we can in the most effective way possible for the betterment of humanity as a whole. Do our spiritual practices? Yes, we'll need to do them, but fit them into a life of service. And if you want another word for service, a really understandable word, it's work. It's work. Not work for money, work for service, but it's still work. And there's no doubt that we have plenty of time to do it in our lives, as well as to fit in the practices as and when we can, and we'll need to do that. But enlightenment hasn't gone away, and that's a mistake that some people can think. They think maybe they're sacrificing enlightenment. It's off the agenda. It's now more important than I that I help others. Yes, it is more important that we help others, but it's not off the agenda at all. In fact, it's intricately linked to our service. Uh, it's the service, the work is leading to our enlightenment. And uh, it won't be like that if we're really dedicated service. In other words, uh, there are occasions when we love to sit down alone or with like-minded people, perform exercises leading to our peace, our harmony and realization and we forego that at times. Yes, we have to forego that at times. Uh, probably it's, uh, it's essential that we do. I'm sure it will come to all of us. But it's, if we're really dedicated in service, there will be such occasions. But, and there's a massive but here, and this is the good news, we're not giving up on enlightenment when we do this. And I'd like to give you a quote now from the Master of Theorists in 1960, and he said this, it is the law of the universe, you know, that whatsoever you reject is laid at your feet. This is the law of nature. And he said these words, if you, in great subtlety of realization, 
were to reject the powers and spend all your energy working for others in selfless fashion, the powers would be given unto you. You would develop great powers within yourself so or selves. So we don't lose anything by our service. In fact, it's an enabler. And also, of course, it would be absurd to dispense with the goal of attaining enlightenment because when you think about it, uh, enlightenment will help us to serve far, far, far better. Just to name a few things, we'll have greater power of concentration. That's essential in any working endeavor. Uh, We'll become more inspired. Absolutely crucial. That rubs off. You know, when we are risen, we others will rise with us. We'll become more inspired, more intuitive, have a deeper awareness, a deeper understanding. Those are some of the fruits of enlightenment which will help us in our service. So let's get to this roadmap. And it's spelt out brilliantly in the fourth freedom. And we're given this empowering, encouraging statement, which actually strips away some of the mystique and I have to say verbosity of certain past teachings. Enlightenment is a result of the controlled, application of specific energies and procedures towards a predetermined end. Doesn't that make you feel it's attainable? We're told simply what we have to do. Yes, there are things we have to do. Controlled application of specific energies. They're going to be spelt out as we proceed here. And we have to follow them. And then we have our goal attainable for us. Mind you, He does say they're a predetermined end. That means we are setting out, we are determining it, we have it in our sights. It's not just something, oh, gosh, that happened. I just became enlightened yesterday. It's not going to be like that. We are working towards it, and we know we're working towards it. Now, he then goes on, and we're going to start with the physical here. Physical man can predetermine the end of his physical energy and cause this to be used in its best sense, according to the law. Now, that's all he has to say about the physical, uh, but it actually includes everything, doesn't it? Exercise, diet, rest. But it's much more than that, much more than that. I mean, just to name one thing, and this might surprise some people, money. Money. I mean, I know we say at the beginning and the trail for this show, uh, materialism counts for nothing. That's materialism. That's the worship of of, the belief that matter is all there is, materialism. But, of course, material things do count for something. They have to be dealt with. And, in fact, it's been a massive eye-opener to me just how important money is in spiritual work. You know, intentions are great. Lots of people would like to uh, help people uh, in distress, just to name something very physical, in charity work or in relief from earthquakes and the numerous other things that take place but it's the people who give the money in one way or another who are enabling this relief so it's it's a very important thing and it's an important thing that we have to deal with uh, but only using it in its best sense according to the law i mean just to talk about the ethereum society uh, our dedicated voluntary staff, which upon which we absolutely depend uh, to run our organization worldwide, wouldn't be able to su- support us if they hadn't earned sufficient income. 
And those that are on our payroll wouldn't be able to do it if they weren't able and willing to accept a very low income, much lower than they could earn outside. But it still is a factor. And then there's property and so on. These things are important too. We, we, we have to work on properties. We need properties to perform missions, for example, or even to hold seminars. There has to be some place to go or even to worship. So this, the physical aspect is a part of it. It's not the main part of it. No, not at all. But it can't be ignored, as in some ways it used to be in the old days when they just went out and begged for alms and lived very, very simply because they didn't have projects to perform in service. As we do today, it's a big change and physical man and woman, of course, uh, it, it's an old-fashioned way of, of saying it. It doesn't mean just males. Um, uh, this is 1961. But has to predetermine the end of his physical energy. And you know, you can do the right thing for the wrong reason. Motive does count. And the, right, the wrong thing for the right reason. But as we become enlightened, we're going to be doing the right thing for the right reason. And that applies very much uh, in, in our spiritual work. So that's really all that needs to be said, I think, about physical things and what physical we have to do physically, but it can't be ignored. It, just to repeat, it has to be used in its best sense according to the law. That's all physical energy. And physical energy is an absolutely essential part of our journey to enlightenment. Not something we're trying to avoid, something we have to deal with. You know, in this journey, everything has to be transmuted, not detached from alone. That's an, it's still useful to be able to detach, but it's not nearly enough. And when you use, for example, money or wealth or physical assets of one kind or another in service, you are transmuting that energy into something higher. And it really does work in our journey. And I'm anyway delighted now to move on from the first part of our physical and mental roadmap to enlightenment because we have a guest waiting for us. That's Noemi Bates. And I'm delighted to welcome her back again to the show today. She's uh, taught us uh, certain practices in the past. Uh, she's been a member of the Ethereum Society for more than 20 years, has been an invaluable staff member, playing many different roles since 2001 in London, where she lives with her husband, Jamie, at the Ethereum Society. And Jamie has also been on the show. And last time she was on, she led us in a practice. But today, she's going to be sharing with us her own moment of truth on the spiritual path. So welcome, Noemi. Well, thank you very much, Richard. It's great to be back here. So uh, this is my moment of truth. Some listeners will know that originally I'm from Slovakia, or the former Czechoslovakia, where I was brought up as a Catholic. And although my family, when I was little, were not practicing Catholics apart from my mum, but when I was growing up, I've had some interesting psychic experiences, only a handful of them, which when I think back now, I believe there were signals to afterlife and also glimpses into my life in the Ethereum Society. So as years passed, I developed a keen interest in spirituality. And in my early teens, I would go to a Sunday Mass every week with my mum and later with my friends. And 
with them, we even formed a choir. So my interest in religion was becoming stronger and stronger, but my questions about life also grew, questions which my Catholic faith disappointingly couldn't answer, such as, what is my purpose in life? Do we live only once? Somehow, intuitively, I knew that life was fair and that we couldn't just have one life then go to either heaven or hell, depending on the will of God. We couldn't have some people born into wealth and other into poverty for no apparent reason. Without a doubt, I had some burning questions and my thirst for truth was becoming stronger and stronger. Until one day, I remember standing in the church. I even remember the place I stood so many years ago and feeling a sense of desperation to such an extent that I even felt guilty for totally ignoring the priest as he was delivering his sermon. Because at that point, that didn't matter. I felt this overwhelming feeling of helplessness, which engulfed me in total frustration. I was standing there thinking to myself, almost in a plea to God, wishing to find a church or a group that could answer my questions but also revered the Master Jesus because I was not willing to give up my love for this Master. And I remember being quite specific in my request, and I even corrected myself a couple of times to be as precise as possible in what I wished for. After I finished formulating my request to my utter amazement, I heard a voice saying, You will. I even repeated my question and the answer came again, almost spelling it out to me that I will find such an organization that will have the answers to my questions about life and they'll also revere the Master Jesus. It's difficult to recall after so many years whether it was a male or a female voice, but I remember being totally amazed because I wasn't expecting such a response. I even looked around me in case others heard it. But obviously they didn't, and they just looked at me with a blank expression. So as you can imagine, after this, I felt happy and more settled and started wondering when and how will I come in contact with that organization. And a few years after this experience, I moved to England. And some years after that, I came across the Aetheri Society, which to my amazement was able to answer all my questions. I joined as a member in 1998 and the rest is history. But I am a very strong believer that if people are really searching for truth, sooner or later, they will have to find it. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much, Noemi. And you know what that reminds me of that statement? If you knock hard enough on the door, it will be opened unto you. Yes, absolutely. uh, And in your case, it definitely was. So thank you very much indeed. That was Noemi Bates. Um, And we'll now move on to our next extract. Uh, But before we do, actually, I would say one thing. When I listen to Noemi or indeed Darren or even indeed Ayab, who's coming up later in the show, and other uh, people who are now in the Ethereum Society who came in much later than I did because they're much younger than I am, uh, it's interesting because I always have to factor in that they could have found the Ethereum Society before they were born physically. Whereas I I actually was born before the society was founded, just, I have to say, just. 
so I couldn't have done. And that's a factor too. I think some people now are are discovering something they already know and perhaps are recognizing it when they find it here uh, on the physical plane. And that's a, another part of uh, people's moment of truth, probably, or what we've come to call on this show, MOT. Anyway, on now to our second extract, the uh, in our physical and mental roadmap to enlightenment. And we're now moving on to the mental uh, roadmap to enlightenment. And Darren, would you please play our second extract by Mars, Sector 6. A mental man, a can, a soul, a control, a his, a picturization. Uh, that he can uh, direct uh, his uh, mental energies uh, towards a goal which is in all wise a uh, constructive a goal of service of spiritual a cooperation, a great a beam of creative, a controlled a mental energy, a can be a directed a towards all a terrestrials. Uh, so that uh, those ready will be uh, mentally uh, transmuted uh, by this uh, constructive, uh, creative uh, beam of energy, a mental a man a can. A form those visualizations only which are constructive, which help to bring into being a transmutation of all things upon higher planes. Thank you. So there's a lot more there about uh, mental man than we had about physical man. And I must repeat here, it's an old-fashioned use of the word man. Not wouldn't be probably used today, but the cosmic masters used the language of the period in which they communicated, and that would have meant humanity, all people. So we're moving now from the physical roadmap to the mental roadmap to enlightenment. And here we have, I think, a really, really significant departure from the ancient teachings. Something really new. The old teachings advise detachment from mind. And if you really look at some of the advanced ancient teachings for the really devoted aspirant who was willing to dedicate their entire life, become a sannyasin, uh, become a, a celibate monk, or join an ashram of a guru, or whatever it was, 
uh, not just in, in, in the East, actually, uh, or the Far East. It could be in other parts of the world, too. Uh, but there's a big departure because they were taught just to detach from mind because the, the principle and the correct principle being that if you get beyond mind, you're entering the domain of spirit. But now we've got something very different because Mars Sector 6, it's, it's the same goal. It's the same end point but it's a different way. It's a different path. It's a greater path, as I say, because it includes service above all. And Mars Exorcist is telling us to use mind, not to detach from it, but to use it. And it's then a path of, as I said earlier, transmutation. That's a word which occurs quite a lot in the fourth freedom, quite a lot in the nine freedoms altogether, but certainly in the fourth freedom. So what are we advised to do? We're advised to control our picturization, which, if you like, is our visualization, which goes on all the time. We may not be doing a visualization practice, but we are if, if visualizing things. I think Dr. King once said, and in, I think it was in his lecture, Imagination, Your Only Creative Faculty, that to do anything great, you have to use your visualization or your imagination. Uh, he said to be a great truck driver. At some point, you'd have had to visualize yourself as a great truck driver. So it's not limited just to spiritual practices per se. And then Mars 6 we says we direct our mental energies towards a goal which is constructive and directed towards service and spiritual cooperation. In other words, we use our mental energies in their most positive form. We don't detach from them. We use them, and they become, he says, a, uh, and these are my words now, a beam or radiation of creative, controlled mental energies directed towards all people. And there are some key adjectives in this passage, and then interestingly, they all begin with the letter C, by the way. Uh, that just makes it easier to remember. They are constructive, creative, controlled. Constructive, creative, controlled um, i think a lot of human beings prefer another adjective beginning with c critical and there's a place for being critical absolutely but it's so much easier than being constructive than being creative uh, you hear politicians journalists and others lining up to point out the errors and mistakes made by people institutions and so on I've done it recently, I have to say, in my video with the governments on UFOs. So there's, a, as I say, a place for it, but it's much more demanding to come up with a constructive approach. And I think, I hope, actually, I really hope, and I hope my producer Darren will agree with this, that the USP of this show is the Spiritual Freedom Show, and, and it certainly is in the teachings of Mars Sector 6 and Dr. George King, is giving us ways to make a positive difference for ourselves and especially for others. So that's a constructive approach. And as it's a transmuting thing, not just for yourself, but for others. As Mars Sector 6 says, those ready will be mentally transmuted by this constructive, creative beam of energy. Uh, and I do believe you could have a musician, for example, or an artist, uh, if they had a powerful enough creative mind, could affect the environment around them uh, but with, without them even leaving their studio. 
because it's an energy and it applies to science as well as the arts. It could even apply to politics. Uh, it, and it would be nice to see it applied more to politics. And it can certainly apply to philosophy. And you can use these words really as a form of discrimination. You could have a painting that's brilliantly executed, but is it constructive? Is it creative? Uh, is it making a, perhaps a destructive statement? You can have brilliant art in terms of its composition, uh, which is making a destructive statement, not a constructive one. And that's, I think, got a bit lost. People are just looking at how good is it, not how constructive is it. And mental man can form those visualizations only which are constructive, says Mars Sector 6, which help to bring into being a transmutation of all things upon higher planes. In the original, I should say in the text rather, in the book it says all things up to the higher planes. Both are true, but in the transmission it's all things upon higher planes. So you can see that in forming these visualizations, we are helping others, but we're also going to be risen ourselves in the process. And that really is, in a way, the roadmap to enlightenment in one phrase, a transmutation of all things upon higher planes. As we move to higher planes, we raise our consciousness. Um, it's not rising above basic thought, but transmuting it up to higher planes. And you know people say, there's an old saying, and I've used it, I think, myself, and we've probably all used it. Something comes along, there's something difficult in our life, we say, well, rise above it. Right, just rise above it. And it can be helpful to do that. And, and it's difficult to do. And it's it can get us through situations. Um, uh, and it's in a way, it's like sticking plaster, but we need sticking plaster at times. But it's not transmuting them. You're just rising above it. You've got to take those things, whatever they are, and transmute them. Certainly in terms of your own energies. You're not, you can't control other people and you shouldn't try to. But we can try, we can certainly try to control our own energies. And so, you know, the problems, the negativity, if we just rose above it, we'd leave it there, uh, which is in a way an old age approach. But Mars Sector 6 here is telling us to transmute them, to rise those things above themselves in a way, if that makes any sense at all, to raise them, certainly within ourselves. And that is the mental roadmap to enlightenment. Well, I'm absolutely delighted, moving on then from our theme of the day, and moving on to our next guest. And our next guest is someone who has also appeared on the Spiritual Freedom Show before, and we're delighted to welcome him back, and that's Ayub Malik. Ayub's a full-time staff member at the Ethereum Society, extremely active on social media, and you can find him in our Awakening Through King Yoga face group, where he leads workshops teaching people the spiritual practices given by Dr. George King from the book Realize Your Inner Potential. Uh, just as an aside, by the way, I do believe that some of the trouble artists, composers, and creative people who weren't dealing with the able to deal or certainly weren't controlling their energies, and we only have to look at the history of certain artists and composers, I do think if they'd had a copy of Realize Your Inner Potential and practiced it, that that would have solved a lot of their individual problems. But that's an aside. So Ayub uh, is teaching practice based on that, and today 
He's going to be leading us in a guided contemplation and practice. So welcome, Ayub. Thank you, Richard. And uh, welcome, everybody. And uh, thank you for allowing me to partake in this practice session. So I would like to uh, lead a guided practice into and something that's very much connected to the fourth freedom of enlightenment. And this is something from the 12 Blessings book, and uh, which is the second blessing, Blessed are the wise ones. And in the Nine Freedoms books, a book, it does state that um, regarding enlightenment, uh, Mars Sector 6 states that like a sun, doth, uh, enlightenment like a sun doth flood the server with its golden light, wisdom dawns. So there are, there is a group soul out there in the world who are very wise, who have attained the highest states of consciousness, of enlightenment and beyond, and they come under a group soul. And in the 12 blessings, the Master Jesus delivered a beautiful blessing to uh, the wise ones. So this is going to be our focus for this practice session. But before we start this, I invite you all to just go within, close your eyes. For a few moments and um, keep the spine straight and go within and let's do a few minutes of a couple of minutes of deep breathing practices breathing in and out through both nostrils allowing the abdomen to expand the chest to expand with each in breath and with each out breath the chest deflates the abdomen deflates and at the end of each out breath, pull in your belly button towards your spine to empty the lungs, which will allow you to take a longer, deeper inhalation. And try to visualize, if you can, make believe, pretend if you have to. Know, feel a brilliant white light is pouring in with each in-breath, filling the whole of your mind and your body with each in-breath. And make the breath equal, so the in-breath is the same length as the out-breath. Just settle into this practice. Nothing else matters. Nobody else matters at this time except this practice of service where we are practicing an aspect of the third freedom, which is service, by radiating a blessing to the wise ones. I invite you to raise your hands, fingers and thumbs together, palms facing outwards, elbows touching the sides of your body. And I invite you to visualize a brilliant stream of living, liquid, white light flowing down from the ethers of space, quickly moving down, the head charging the brain, healing the brain flowing down through the head, charging up all the sense organs in the head, lighting them up, 
flowing down through the neck, shoulders, down through the arms, and also out through, down through the chest, and out through the heart chakra, which is a few inches in front of the breastbone. And allow three beams of white light to flow out through the palms of the hand and through the heart chakra or the psychic center. And allow these words to flow out to the focal point of this blessing. Blessed are the wise ones. Feel free to follow my words if you wish. Blessed are the wise ones. For they walk through a dark and ignorant world, spreading their light, so that all who want to, so that all who are ready, may see, even though blindly, some facet of the face of God, some small part of his work. Thrice blessed are these wise ones. These are the ones who have gone within, deep within and made a glorious and lasting contact with the spark which dwelleth there, the self-same spark which came from the heart of the mighty Logos, from the heart of he and it which fashioned even the Logos. Thrice blessed are the wise ones, in the now and by now. Yet what bliss they sacrifice for man. These ones have found peace and have turned away from it to give its very essence, its very core, to searching, groping, unpeaceful man. These are the great ones. Without these, this world could not endure. Thrice blessed are the searchers who have found and left and given of their very heart to man, so that he may see, and seeing know, and knowing act, and acting become that which he should be. So endeth the second blessing. And the Master Jesus goes on with these following words. O adorable children, children of God, walk, ye, walk bravely forward to your salvation. Look neither to one side nor the other, but straight ahead into the very face of God, and contact this mighty light, so that it may shine upon you, so that it may impregnate you forever. Be this now, by now. Adorable ones, little children, I am here with you. I will lead you into this state, if you will but hold out your hand to me. Adorable ones, go with God. Give yourself a few moments just to reflect on those beautiful words by the Master Jesus as delivered through the 12 blessings. And that's the end of my practice session. Thank you, Richard. Well, thank you very much, Ayub. Um, thank you for that. And we heard there, of course, uh, from the 12 blessings and um, 12 blessings services are held regularly at 12blessings.org that's 12blessings.org in fact um 
Noemi, who we heard from earlier, is one of those who runs those services. Uh, she's a priest-elect, and others, ministers and even bishops, uh, do take part in, in holding those services at 12blessings.org. And you'll find all about that at ethereus.org if you go to our website there. As indeed, you'll find a page on the nine freedoms at www.ethereus.org. So I think now I'm going to invite our producer back uh, because I know, Darren, that you have had lots and lots of questions and and emails uh, of of late. So uh, would you like to uh, raise some of those with us? Yeah, thanks, Richard. I thought I'd just say before that, that uh, that message, you know, that we should not just rise above things, but transmute them, I think is a fantastic takeaway for everybody from today, I think a real key. And yeah. uh, I, I do agree with the USP that you talked about, by the way, about a constructive approach, because um, this teachings of Mars Sector 6 that we are exploring on the show, really give people the wisdom to change themselves and and the world. And um, if that's not the epitome of what you said, I don't know yeah. what is. Well, I must admit, I, I mean, I find it so such a positive teaching. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's not a sad teaching at all. I mean, I must say that the 12 blessings, which uh, I was talking about there, um, there are there is sadness in it. It's beautiful. There's great peace. There's wonderful practices. There's beautiful prayers and blessings and so on. But there's also sadness. Uh, in that teaching uh, when it comes to, for example, the sacrifice made by the Mother Earth and other great intelligences. But the nine freedoms is is a different sort of approach. Uh, and it's extremely uplifting. It's extremely enabling. It's not that either is better or, or worse, although we are told the nine freedoms is the greatest set of teachings we've ever received. Uh, but it's a liberating can-do and how-do and uh, you know, in very few words, you need to do this, 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 and this, and then that will happen. Yeah, absolutely. I think it um, it relates here to this first comment I have actually, which is um, which stood out to me after listening to you talk today. Um, especially, you know, these points you've made about Mars Sector Six that you've highlighted about enlightenment being the result of these definite actions towards a predetermined end. So this person says, "I'm looking to live a life that is fulfilling, and I want to learn how to live with good habits that make it possible." I'm looking for spiritual development. I want to reach my highest potential so that I can help myself and help as many people as possible. I'm looking for wisdom. I've experienced many ups and downs during the years, bright heights full of hope, followed by dark depths, confusion, depression. It has been rough and as I've struggled to maintain focus on the important things. I've spread myself too thin by starting too many practices at once. And I'm at this point in my life because I'm tired of doing things that don't work for me. And I'm also very eager and curious to learn and experience the wisdom that Dr. King and the Ethereum Society share. Gosh, that's a very honest, isn't it? An extremely yeah, it revealing a message then. Thank you so much for sending that to us. And you made a key point there about spreading yourself too thin. And it is a point actually made in the nine freedoms that, you know, if people who chew here and chew there, I think is the phrase, mm. uh, won't necessarily find uh, the, the goal that, that they're seeking. Those aren't the exact words, but... Um, you know, you have to at some point focus on a specific particular path and stay with it. And yes, we'll all go through our rough patches. I mean, it's strange to say, but sometimes the difficult times are the making of us. I know that's a cliche, but it's, you know, some cliches, Darren, I think are true. 
even if they are cliches. And it really can be those times. And, and, you know, spiritual, when you have a spiritual experience even, mostly it's a wonderful thing, but sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it's a disturbing thing. It's a difficult thing. And you've got to go through that too. And you, you, you don't want to hide away from it because that can be absolutely essential experience as well in our path to enlightenment. So thanks so much for sharing that one. Yeah, I, th- I just thought one last comment on this one. He's talking about um, living with the good habits that make it possible. It just made me think yeah. about those first three freedoms, you know, bravery, love, and service. So if we made those yeah. of our everyday life, you know, we'd be well on our way to, uh, yeah. to spiritual advancement. And, you know, habit's an interesting word because, you know, we are – I mean, there's another word uh, that they use in, 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 in Sanskrit teaching, which is samskara, which is uh, a sort of repeated habitual um, thought patterns. Or even you could go deeper than thought patterns, energy transmissions between the chakras and mm-hmm. the nadis, the psychic nerve channels in our aura, which repeat themselves. And it's like you, once you, you start, as, the, as this very intelligent comment actually, you start creating good habits, even at mm-hmm. a deeper level, you'll start to think in a different way. Um, and you know, to what to one person is a really, really testing, difficult experience. The same thing happened to another person wouldn't be they'd still have to go through it but it wouldn't be that hard and why because that second person has built up those positive samskaras or habits or they're able to deal with it through um you know a bedrock of spirituality in this or a former life let's put it that way Mm. thought i'd finish with this lovely comment here from another listener and a good tip for people i think and uh they wrote i listened during sunrise this morning i think they're talking about the show and followed this activity with dr george king's breathing exercises During the affirmation for the second breathing, there was a sudden increase in feeling of appreciation of what I was actually mentally saying and what I was physically doing. My gratitude for the sun's radiations increased as a direct result of the quote chosen by Richard, followed by my practice. Additionally, I really got the benefit of studying small passages today. That's the tip, I think, for people. And I've always taken a whole freedom because I've always taken a whole freedom at a time. So thank you all again. I love the format of the show and look forward to future ones. Oh, that's beautiful. And thank you so much for those words. And I hope they'll inspire a lot of our listeners around the world. But that brings us to the end, I'm sorry to say, this time of the Spiritual Freedom Show. Next time, we're doing the Psychic and Intuitive Roadmap to Enlightenment. I want to thank our guests, Noemi Bates and Ayub Malik. I want to thank our producer. And especially, I want that's Darren Ball, of course, who you've heard from. And I especially want to thank you, our listeners and for tuning in and spreading the word about the Spiritual Freedom Show. And, of course, we always end, do we not, with these great words, this aphorism from the Nine Freedoms, service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. 